1: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
0: Hey there, history fans. We're off this week so I can catch up after the holidays.
2: But
1: don't
0: worry, we've got plenty of classic shows to tide you over. Please enjoy these flashback episodes from the TDI HC vault and be sure to meet me back here next Tuesday for a brand new episode.
2: Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's January 4th. Topsy the Elephant died on this day in 1903, which some people remember as a cruel publicity stunt orchestrated by Thomas Edison. That is not exactly what happened, though, but all this does mean that animal cruelty is a big part of today's episode. topsy was a circus elephant. She had been captured as a baby in Southeast Asia sometime roughly around 1875. She was sent to the United States and sold to the Four-Paw Circus. But even by the standards of the late 19th and early 20th centuries, the way she was handled and trained was really cruel. She passed from trainer to trainer and circus to circus, and her training frequently involved being beaten and otherwise mistreated. So by 1902, after all these years of abuse, she had developed a reputation for being an aggressive animal. That year, Topsy killed a man named James Fielding Blunt, and this was reportedly after he had burned her with a cigar. Her owners, rather than taking any steps to try to mitigate what was happening, started marketing her as a man-killer Afterwards, she was sent to Luna Park, which was a new amusement park on Coney Island. This wasn't just to be part of the entertainment there. It was also to work hauling materials that were being used in the park's construction. And as was the case leading up to this, her treatment there still involved a lot of beatings and other cruelty By late 1902, Topsy's behavior had become unpredictable enough that her owners thought she was too much of a liability and that she needed to be put down. There are some reports that she had killed two other people in addition to Blunt. Initially, what they planned to do, I'm hesitant to call this euthanasia because all the methods that they were talking about were more violent than is typically used to euthanize animals today. Initially, they talked about, though, a hanging for Topsy. But the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, or SPCA, raised some concerns that a hanging might take too long, it might not work, it might just be inhumane. And trying to hang such a large animal did seem like it would have a number of logistical issues So the SPCA helped park officials work out what they thought would be the most humane way to kill an elephant, and this was this combination of poisoning, strangulation, and electrocution. They believed that the electrocution would be a humane part of this because of a series of experiments that had been conducted at Edison Labs in the late 1800s. Ultimately, this was carried out before a crowd of more than a thousand people on January 4th, 1903. First, they fed topsy vegetables that were laced with poison, and then they connected two of her feet to electrodes and electrocuted her. Afterward, a noose that had been looped around her neck beforehand was tightened in case she had not died in the electrocution. Edison's name was definitely all over this. Edison Manufacturing recorded the event and released the footage of it later that year, and like all of the hundreds of other films that they made, Edison himself was credited at the end. Electricians from Edison Electric Illuminating Company of Brooklyn, which was the local power company, were also the ones who arranged the electrocution itself, including those electrodes that were used in the process. But Edison himself was almost certainly not there. He might not have been personally involved in any way. These were all companies that had his name on them. But by this point, they were also so large that he wasn't overseeing every element of day-to-day operations. A lot of times, this is also described as something that happened during the War of the Currents. And so Edison was trying to prove that Westinghouse's alternating current model was dangerous. But the War of the Currents had really been over for years at this point, It was really the decision of Topsy's handlers, not Edison, to kill her. And it was also the decision of Topsy's handlers and the SPCA to use electrocution under the idea that it would be humane. This included reports afterward that her death had taken less than 10 seconds. And one SPCA official said, quote, they had never seen a more humane manner of causing death. So Topsy's execution was certainly the result of all those years of cruelty that she had endured because those years undoubtedly contributed to her unpredictable and aggressive behavior. So this wasn't something masterminded by Thomas Edison to try to take down Westinghouse. Thanks to Casey Pegram and Chandler Mays for their audio work on this show. You can subscribe to the day in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever else you get podcasts. And you can tune in tomorrow for the birth of a man who made it a whole lot easier to scrape the hair off your face.
0: Hey, I'm Eve, and you're listening to This Day in History Class, a podcast that proves history is always happening. The day was January 4th, 1809. French educator Louis Braille, namesake of the Braille reading and writing system, was born. Braille was born in Couvray, France, a village near Paris. He was the youngest of four siblings born to Simone Rene Braille and Monique Baron. When he was three years old, he injured his eye with a sharp tool while playing in his father's workshop. His eye soon became infected, and the infection spread to his other eye in what's believed to have been a case of sympathetic ophthalmia. Sympathetic ophthalmia occurs when the uveal tract in an uninjured eye becomes inflamed after trauma or surgery in the other eye. By the time he was five, he was completely blind. As a child, Braille was taught to read by feeling studs hammered into wood in the shape of letters. His parents sent him to the Royal Institute for Blind Youth in Paris when he was 10 years old. There, students were taught to read books that used embossed print letters— And to write, students had to memorize the shape of letters and try to recreate them on paper. This, of course, was a difficult task. Conditions at the school were subpar, but the environment and curriculum had their benefits for the students there. Braille was considered a smart and creative student, and he became a good cello player and organist. Around the same time, Charlotte Barbier, a retired artillery officer in Napoleon's army, created a system of writing using a raised dot alphabet. Barbier attempted to sell the system, called night writing, to the French army, so that soldiers could pass notes in the dark without striking a light. When the army proved uninterested in the idea, Barbier turned his attention to the Royal Institute for Blind Youth. Braille saw Barbier's demonstration and was intrigued by night writing, but he thought that it needed many improvements. By 1824, Braille had devised his own improved system. It was simpler than Barbier's system, and it was better adapted for blind people, as Barbier was sighted. Braille's method used a six-dot cell rather than a 12-dot system. In it, six dots were arranged in different patterns, or cells, that formed letters, numbers, and later, musical notes. Other students at the Royal Institute picked up the system, but the school did not endorse it. Braille became a teacher at the Institute, and in 1829, he published the book Procedure for Writing Words, Music, and Song in Dots. But it took a while for the Braille system to catch on. That was partly because Valentin Arouet, a sighted man who founded the Royal Institute, worked on a principle that blind people should not have a different alphabet than sighted people. And Pierre Armand Dufault, the director of the Institute beginning in 1840, restricted use of the Braille system in the school and had books and Braille writing equipment burned. Dufault eventually changed his tune, but the Braille system was not officially adopted in France until 1854, two years after Braille died. But during his lifetime, Braille worked on improving his reading and writing system. In 1837, he published a revised edition of the system. In this edition, the raised dash was eliminated, leaving just raised dots. Despite the system not being widely accepted, students learned Braille on their own. And Braille himself continued to teach history, geometry, and algebra at the school. As the Braille system spread throughout Europe, it met resistance from people who thought blind people didn't need to know how to read, from people who thought it was unnecessary because sighted people could not read it, and from those who opposed it for other reasons. But since then, the Braille system has been modified by Braille's successors and recognized as a universal language. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully, you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can do so at TDIHC Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also email us at thisday at iHeartMedia.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
1: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.